This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Meta's quarterly profit of $4.4 billion fell short of forecasts, shaving more than 12% of its share price in post-session trading. Revenues declined by 4% year-on-year to $27.7 billion. Facebook's parent company said it expected revenues of $30 billion to $32.5 billion in the fourth quarter, below most analysts' expectations. Weaker digital ad spending continues to crimp growth at its social media core. Shares of Alphabet, which owns Google, also slid dramatically for similar reasons. It and Microsoft reported disappointing earnings this week. Three heavily armed men killed at least 15 people and injured another 40 in an attack on a Shia shrine in Shiraz, a city in southern Iran. Islamic State, a Sunni terrorist group, claimed responsibility. Meanwhile, Iranian security forces clashed with crowds honouring Masa Amini's tomb in her Kurdish town of Sakhez. Her death in police custody 40 days ago triggered widespread and ongoing protests against Iran's theocratic rulers. Russia held its first nuclear drill since it invaded Ukraine, which simulated a retaliatory strike and was supervised by President Vladimir Putin via video link. Earlier, America's president, Joe Biden, warned him that deploying tactical nuclear weapons would be an incredibly serious mistake. Separately, Ukraine's government reported that 1,000 bodies had been exhumed in territories its armed forces liberated in the northeast of the country. Royal Dutch Shell posted underlying profits of $9.5 billion in the third quarter, more than double the figure in the same period last year, but a slowdown from a bumper second quarter. The war in Ukraine briefly pushed oil prices to $120 a barrel. Europe's largest oil and gas company said they would raise its payout to shareholders by 15%, amid calls for a more stringent windfall tax. Stormont Northern Ireland's parliament has been recalled in an 11th-hour attempt to form a government. The devolved region's power-sharing agreement collapsed in May, when Sinn Féin, the left-wing party associated with Irish unification, won the election. The DUP, in opposition, want a closer trade union with Britain. This year's second election will be triggered if no compromise is reached by midnight. Elon Musk visited the headquarters of Twitter, the social media firm he is expected to buy this week, having committed himself to a price of $44 billion in April. He told staff he has no intention of sacking 75% of them, though he was quoted saying so. Mr. Musk says a lot of things. The Wall Street Journal reported that his banks have begun sending $13 billion in financing to close the deal. Germany's health minister set out plans to legalise cannabis, promising Europe's most liberal legalisation regime and most regulated market. Karl Lauterbach said people would be allowed to possess 20 to 30 grams of recreational pot and that sales would take place at specialist shops and pharmacies. A draft bill could be introduced as soon as this year, though legalisation may not happen until 2023 or 2024. And fact of the day. 30 million. Roughly the number of combatants killed in wars fought between countries over the past 200 years. 
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A superficial rebound for America's economy. Technically, it will look great. Data on Thursday are expected to show that in the third quarter of the year, America's GDP growth accelerated to about 3% on an annualized basis. That will mark a sharp rebound after contractions in both the first and second quarters. The Democrats and Joe Biden will no doubt be grateful for positive headlines about the economy less than two weeks ahead of midterm elections, even if they will probably still face a drubbing at the ballot box. Viewed in more detail, the economic picture is less reassuring. Arithmetically, strong imports were a drag on GDP at the start of the year. More recently, imports have weakened, reflecting a more sluggish domestic demand. Counterintuitively, that makes GDP growth appear stronger now, since fewer American dollars are going abroad. That does not mean that America is in a recession yet, but it does signal that it is losing steam. Putin's Propaganda Parlay The Valdai Discussion Club began in 2004 as a Russian version of the Davos Conference of Global Bigwigs. Its mission was, mostly, to convince Western elites to invest in Russia. Those days are long gone. When President Vladimir Putin addresses the meeting in Moscow on Thursday, it will be to attack the West and to foretell its downfall. Last year, Mr. Putin treated attendees to a wide-ranging three-hour-long discussion in which he lambasted Western liberalism and praised obscure Russian nationalist philosophers. This year's talk is likely to be similar. The conference's theme, A Post-Hegemonic World, Security and Justice for Everyone, is central to Russian propaganda, which presents Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine as an effort to free the world from Western domination. The audience's pre-approved questions are unlikely to rattle him. In a version leaked to Ukrainian media, the first asks whether Mr. Putin agrees that the ideology of the Russian state is the ideology of Russian victory. The ECB grapples with a rate decision. The European Central Bank's top brass convene in Frankfurt on Thursday to decide how much to raise interest rates. It will be a difficult call. Three important economic indicators all point in different directions. The key number is the Eurozone's inflation rate, which soared to 9.9% in September, far above the bank's 2% target. That calls for a steep rate rise, but data on economic sentiment suggest a screeching downturn is underway, especially in gas-hungry Germany. That calls for a rate cut. A final consideration is wage growth. Employers and workers have struck mostly moderate agreements, providing no reason for rate increases. Germany's chemical industry, for example, has increased salaries by 3.25%, as well as giving handouts to compensate for inflation. With energy prices falling thanks to a warm autumn in Europe, the ECB may decide to go soft this time. That could mean a smaller rate rise than the widely predicted 
0.75 percentage points. Credit Suisse unveils its survival plan. On Thursday, Credit Suisse will follow a handful of banks in reporting its third quarter results. But more attention will be paid to the bank's strategy to recover after a recent string of risk management and compliance disasters. It incurred hits ranging from $1.7 billion with the collapse of Greensill, a lender, to more than $5 billion when Archegos, a hedge fund, went bust last year. This month, the bank had to cough up even more painful fines in America, linked to its residential mortgage-backed securities business and France, to settle a money-laundering case. Adding to the turmoil, its top management ranks have been in a state of flux. Tijan Tiam quit in 2020 after the bank admitted to spying on former staff. His successor, Thomas Gottstein, was replaced in August this year with Ulrich Corner, a restructuring expert. Mr. Corner may well be able to whip the venerable firm back into shape. He will need to convince financial markets of his determination to do so. The Populist's Guide to Getting Ahead The memoir of Benjamin B.B. Netanyahu is published in Britain on Thursday, following its release in America and Israel last week. Now the leader of Israel's opposition, Mr. Netanyahu was the country's longest-serving prime minister, until he was ousted in 2021. In Bibi, My Story, he recounts his rise up the ranks and 15 years in office. Other power-hungry populists will find plenty of tips. These include, play up existential threats to your country, don't be afraid to spar with America, exploit voters' greatest fears, and bash the elite, even if they don't exist. But Mr. Netanyahu's motivation for picking up a pen is not altruistic. Instead, he wants to convince the world that Israel must remain strong and unyielding in the face of Iran's nuclear program and Palestinians' demands and he wants to persuade Israeli voters that he is the only man who can ensure this, and that they must therefore re-elect him prime minister in the election due on November 1st. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which American swimmer was the star of a series of aqua musicals in the late 1940s and early 1950s? Wednesday. Which Supreme Court Justice died in September 2020? Finally, here's the quote of the day from François Mitterrand, who was born on this day in 1916. The youth are not always right, but the society which ignores and beats them is always wrong. That's the world in brief from The Economist. 
available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.